Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I'd like to thank you for listening, and I hope that you enjoy the review. If you do, I encourage you to click the subscribe button, and you'll get my film reviews on a mostly daily basis. And if you happen to be on iTunes, I encourage you to leave a, a review. I've gotten two reviews uh, since the last time I looked, and um, the one was anonymous. They, actually, the person who left a five-star review did not actually leave any words, which is fine with me. Um, as long as I know that you're out there and you like the show, I'm, I'm encouraged by that. And there was another uh, person who actually did leave a, a very uh, short review. Uh, the person's name is Johnny Appleby. Um, and, uh, Johnny claims, uh, that this is a true film review podcast and that he enjoyed it. So I do thank you, Johnny, because I, I definitely like that you're out there and that you like the show. Um, and also it brings to mind one of the things that I, uh, one of the ways that I try to differentiate the show from the hundreds of other podcasts out there that might discuss film in some form or fashion is that this is a review podcast. It's called the Quipster Film Review Podcast. This is not a discussion on, uh, how, you know, my film going experiences. This is not me spitballing a lot of under, other anecdotal material about my day. This is really all about, uh, film reviews. Uh, there's a lot of other film podcasts that are out there that discuss a lot of uh, personal stuff, and I don't choose to do that on this show, uh, except in incidental fashion, at least as it relates to the film I'm talking about at hand. So this is really a movie about going in-depth into the films, and uh, above and beyond just telling you whether I like a film or not, what I really want to do is to paint a picture of every film that I review so that you can make a judgment for yourself as to whether or not that you would like to give the film a chance. Even if it's a film that I don't recommend, um, if you happen to be somebody who, you know, every film has an audience. And, you know, some people even just like bad films. And so by listening to the review, I don't want you to concentrate so much on whether I enjoy the film or not, although... Um, certainly if you're in tune with the kinds of movies I tend to like or don't like, um, you can be also, you can actually use that as a, a basis for whether or not you'll enjoy it or not. But, um, you know, I used to read reviews from, you know, other film, uh, other, uh, journal, film journalists and also film critics where I actually got to know their, uh, tastes for films, and even if I tended to disagree with them sometimes, I knew by their tastes that they were going to like a certain kind of movie, and I probably wasn't, and um, and vice versa. And so I could always tell based on the review because they were actually very detailed as to what they liked about it, whether or not that film was still going to be for me. So you don't have to agree with what I say in terms of whether I like a movie or not, but what I do want you to come away with as uh, as the listener and also for me to be able to discuss things with you is to just paint a picture of what the film is and so that you know, uh, without going into spoilers, you know exactly what the film is about and you can make an informed judgment as to whether or not to see the movie. Now, some of you are probably coming to this podcast, uh, having already seen the movies that I'm discussing and just want to get uh, another take and to, to get somebody else's opinion on it so you can kind of, you know, maybe it's a film that you've struggled with or maybe it's a film that you enjoyed and you want to hear other people's takes on it and that's why you're here. And so that's another way to listen to the podcast is to kind of get some feedback from somebody you know, maybe you've seen a movie and you don't have any friends who've seen it yet. You want somebody, you want to hear, you want to hear a dialogue of somebody discussing this film with you. And I, I, I do want this to be a dialogue 
I don't want you to just, um, if you're a listener, I don't necessarily want you to be passive. I, I want to know that you're out there and that you can write to me anytime. And I always respond to all of my, uh, the people that write to me and you can actually engage in a dialogue with me by uh, going to my website, quipster.net. And you can find my contact information there. You can also get links to my Facebook page and my Twitter feed. And you can always respond to me anytime. Uh, that you have a thought, whether it's on, based on something that I've discussed and maybe you agree with or disagree with and you want to let me know, or maybe in the course of my, uh, in the course of my review, maybe there's something I, I actually, that, uh, an idea that occurred to you that I didn't bring up during that review and you want to let me know about that. So you can do that at any time, quipster.net. That's Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Anyway, that's another instance where I discuss the philosophy of the show. So, I, and I do thank you for the people who've left a review. That's the best way that you can support the show is to go to iTunes and leave a review. The Quipster Film Review Podcast is the name of the show. Now, with that out of the way, I didn't mean to spend five minutes discussing this, but, um, you know, better that than me discussing, uh, you know, what kind of juice I like to drink or something like that. Um, I'm going to be reviewing Chirac. It's a, it's the latest film by Spike Lee. And, um, there's a lot of interesting things about it, which I'll discuss in a moment. Um, the film is, it's a satire. So I guess it would, if I had to put it into a category, it would be a comedy, but it has such serious subject matter that it also, uh, would be a drama as well. So a, 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 a satire with a lot of heavy dramatic elements, I guess is the best way I can describe it. It's an R-rated film. It does have strong sexual content, and that includes dialogue. It does have nudity and language, some violence and drug use. It runs two hours and seven minutes. The, cla- the, the cast of the film is Tiona Paris, Nick Cannon, John Cusack, Wesley Snipes, Angela Bassett, Samuel L. Jackson, Jennifer Hudson, Harry Lennox, D.B. Sweeney, and Steve Harris. There's also a small role here for Dave Chappelle, uh, one of his uh, first films that he's appeared in in many years. Uh, Spike Lee is the director, and Lee also co-writes the screenplay with Kevin Wilmot. And uh, there's an interesting collaboration there that I'll get into as well. Um, this is, in a nutshell, it's basically a wildly ambitious updating of an ancient Greek comedy a play uh, called Lysistrata, and that was um, a, a comedy that was done by a uh, playwright called Aristophanes. So I suppose I should preface this review a little bit to give you a little bit of my background. Um, although I did study film studies for many years, um, I also happen to have a degree in uh, classics. And classics is not classic literature per se, it is the study of the classical period. And that is the study of ancient Greece and Rome. And specifically the life and times, the art, the architecture, the literature, the politics, the history of ancient Greece and Rome. And so I am very familiar with Lysistrata by Aristophanes. It is a very well-known play and it is the uh, an influential play. It's been attempted uh, a few times before in film. Um, none of them have been very successful. Um, but, um, it definitely is an intriguing play and definitely one that you'll remember if you've ever read it. Um, and so this happens to be right up my alley. I, I really enjoy Spike Lee's films. Um, some of them have not always, um, they've, they've missed me in a way. Um, but for the most part, I enjoy indulging in Spike Lee's films, regardless of whether I enjoy them or not, because there's always something interesting in them. So in combining Spike Lee, a Spike Lee film with an Aristophanes play, I mean, this seems to be right up my alley. So, um, so taking this play 
uh, Spike Lee uses it to, at, at its essence, craft a powerful public service announcement. It's, it's a stance against black on black gang violence, specifically in Chicago, although, uh, you could actually expand that to the nation and perhaps even the world. Um, and Chicago, which has a murder rate so high that the locals, uh, and some of the rappers from Chicago, et cetera, have given the town the slangy portmanteau that's used in the title. It's a mix of Chicago and Iraq. So hence the name Chirac. The movie begins with a, uh, basically words on a screen. It's a, uh, played over music. It's the, the words on the screen are the lyrics to the title song called Pray For My City, which was uh, a rap done by Nick Cannon, who's actually one of the stars of the film. Um, and it, the lyrics are on display with Lee powerfully starting this film with the, um, after the song that you hear, which delves directly into the themes of the movie. Um, Lee presents these very sobering statistics that um, basically state that more Americans were murdered by guns from the years 2001, which is essentially when we started, uh, as the United States started its war on terror that for some reason went into the war, the Iraq war, and uh, then the war in Afghanistan. Uh, so from 2001 to 2015, more Americans were murdered by guns in the city of Chicago than in either the Iraq war or the war in Afghanistan during the same period. Now, for that reason, Spike Lee sees such murder capitals like Chicago in the United States as war zones of their own type. We have gangs fighting it out over drugs and revenge and just straight up street cred, while the innocent bystanders that are around, and that often includes children, are being killed by stray bullets when they get caught in the crossfire. Chirac is set in Chicago's south side, and... um it's a fictitious work in this way. There are two warring gangs that have been committing violent crimes against each other for years. Uh, there are the Spartans who are clad in purple and there are the Trojans who are dressed in orange and, uh, Chirac, who not only is the name of the film, but also is the name of Nick Cannon's character. Uh, his street name is Chirac. His real name is Demetrius Dupree. He's the head of the Spartans and he is uh, trying to take down the eyepatch sporting Trojan uh, played by Wesley Snipes called Cyclops and all of his men. And um, now they, they've been warring for a while. Now, in the gunfire uh, that happens between the two men, uh, because there is an altercation that is forced at some point in the film, there's an 11-year-old girl that is killed by one of their stray bullets. And Despite the fact there are many people around, no one in the community is brave enough to come out and actually snitch against the person who did the, uh, committed the, uh, act of manslaughter, basically. Fed up by the cycle of violence that leaves all of these people as potential victims, the women of the community, who are led by Chirac's girlfriend, Liz Estrada, played by Tayona Paris, they determine that they're going to go on a sex strike. No peace, no peace, uh, and peace, peace is, uh, spelled different ways. When they say no peace, P-E-A-C-E, you get no peace, P-I-E-C-E. Now in the film itself, there's another P word that is actually substituted for the second spelling of peace, but I, this is a clean podcast for the most part, so I don't want to actually tell you what that word is. So basically the women determine that they're not going to have sex with the men 
that are involved until they all put down their weapons and work toward peace between them. The news of this spreads like wildfire, not only throughout the community, but also nationally and then eventually globally, and that makes the so-called Blue Balls movement a worldwide event. So even women in the sex industry and even gay men are refusing to put out until a peace treaty is struck. Now, one of the interesting things I learned about uh, while I was researching this movie is that Spike Lee uh, is essentially retooling a script that was already already done by uh, Kevin Wilmot, who was somebody who um, Lee came to Lee's attention several years, many years ago uh, with a film called CSA, the Confederate States of America. And he was looking at other scripts that were written by him that perhaps he could bring to uh, the forefront. Um, Wilmot had written a script, I think about 13 years before called Gotta Give It Up, which was um, a script based on Lysistrata, and it didn't really specifically call out Chicago or anything else like that. And so Lee called him up and said, hey, let's, let's make this into a movie and let's set it in the south side of Chicago and let's just like rewrite it and uh, have it conform to that standard. And so they had collaborated on this new script uh, for Chirac. And uh, Kevin Wilmot, being a film professor and also a filmmaker in the past, also a, a, that, a film professor at the University of Kansas, and uh, that really sets up this platform for what you might call a take-no-prisoners-think piece on the subject of gang violence specifically and its root causes, including the need to find a solution by everyone, especially for, for from those and for those who are perpetrating the violence. This is the work here of a passionate director in Spike Lee. Lee really employs a host of emotions on the subject. He has fury and disappointment and mourning and hopefulness. And he always seems to do all of these emotions with an underlying sense of humor that it, that is important because it tempers the internal maelstrom of feelings that are going on in Spike Lee's mind on the matter and makes it much more palatable for us in the audience to take in all of this this wild range of emotions that are going on in Spike Lee's mind and uh, what he feels is the senseless killing, especially of uh, blacks upon blacks in this uh, area of the country. Um, one thing that is also notable about Chirac is that this is the first Amazon original movie and the first to be released by Amazon Studios. They're pushing it out the film out into theaters before it settles in on their wildly popular streaming service and... Uh, with this, they've really come out of the gate swinging. This is an attention-grabbing satire. It really has a, 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 a headline-worthy uh, subject matter. And whether you love it or whether you loathe it, uh, one thing's for sure is that it's going to spark a conversation that will uh, allow people to pour over the myriad of hot-button topics that Spike Lee isn't afraid of tossing out at us and let us really uh, engage in uh, our own battle of a sort in the public arena. And I think that's what Spike Lee does best is actually, uh, uh, drumming up that, it, that it, not necessarily controversy, but to just throw it out there and come what may let people discuss it and filter it and, and maybe even come up with their own solutions. Um, now the story is elevated in its tone. You know, this is a, this is a movie that you can't really, uh, watch and get into on its story on just the uh, superficial level. You're, it's it's working on multiple layers. It's both as the story uh, at the forefront, but also uh, there's a lot of different other layers of of art that are thrown in here. And uh, there's 
there's the adherence to its construct of the Aristophanes play, and that includes, uh, there's oftentimes throughout the movie, there's a use of a rhyme scheme for most of the dialogue. Um, and, um, basically, um, you know, there, there, there are whole conversations that rhyme back and forth, and, um, it takes a while to kind of get used to that. Now, in, interestingly, Lee and Wilmet actually assert that, um, Aristophanes in Aristophanes time that this rhyme scheme was done, but actually it's actually an invention of those who had translated the original work is to try to bring a poetic reading of the play, kind of like Shakespeare would be. Uh, and some have translated it into prose, but um, oftentimes when you read uh, an, an old Greek play, if the, uh, the person who's doing the translating wants to, they can actually make it into rhyme form to give it that uh, more artistic, poetic uh, 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 take on it. But that was not necessarily a, a construct of Aristophanes. Uh, it does take time, as I mentioned, to get into that sing-song style of the back-and-forth conversations, but as well as those Shakespeare adaptations that are brought to the screen, once you get into the cadence of the dialogue, you don't really notice it past the first few minutes. And actually, for long stretches of time, I didn't even remember that this was done in rhyme scheme. Uh, only once in a while, when you have an actor that's not as good as the others, does it feel a little bit artificial. Um, Samuel L. Jackson's in the movie. He's playing this fictitious character named Dolomedes, and uh, that name is not from the original play. Dolomedes is no doubt a riff on the that classic Rudy Ray Moore pimp character from the black exploitation era known as Dolomite. Uh, and Dolomedes gives us these contextual interludes in between various scenes. And so basically you could say Samuel L. Jackson is acting in place of the traditional Greek chorus that appears in the original Lysistrata as well as almost all of those ancient Greek plays. So in addition to that, there, there's a lot of other um, surprises that you will find in store. For instance, um, Chicago favorite son, John Cusack, known for being a Chicago guy, he plays a character in this movie called Father Mike Corridan. He's a white priest who leads a predominantly black church in the neighborhood that he grew up in, who is, which is also an African American community in Chicago. Um, that character is inspired by true life Roman Catholic priest Michael Flager. Now, Cusack really pulls something deep out of himself. He, he pulls forth this throat shredding, fire and brimstone sermon that indicts a whole host of sources to the problem of children dying in the streets of Chicago, uh, anywhere from an uncaring government that is subservient to the NRA to the community fear of gang-related retaliation against them should they snitch out these gangs that are causing all of this violence in the community. Uh, John Cusack, I have not seen him as invested in a performance in any movie in many years as he is in this film, uh, and he's probably still hoarse from the perpetual shouting that he must have done to muster such an impassioned oratory, and I'm really impressed with what Cusack was able to deliver here, uh, and what Lee was able to extract out of him for this film. Uh, Chirac is a work of high ambition, and that means that it's a hard film to hold together tonally. And I think that that may be what, you know, this this is kind of a wild, <laughs> like one of those bucking bronco rides that may throw people off if they're not willing to just cling to it. Uh, I, I could see a lot of people not, especially when it comes to streaming, maybe shutting it off after, you know, the first five or ten minutes. But I would say to those people, stick with it because um, even though a lot of the major points of the movie are made within the first half hour, 
the rest of the sprawling satire uh, escalates that scope, uh, if not the themes. It may be a little bit uneven, but it really delves deeply into the, uh, a, a whole melange of 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 interesting ideas, and you know, some of them. Some of those ideas do overshoot their target. For instance, there's this really curious one where Alyssa Strada enters into a, the U.S. armory in Chicago and, and basically ridicules uh, this extreme right-wing loon that has a lust for guns that maybe even suggests that there's a sexual perversion for guns uh, uh, among many people. Um, that's, that's It's meant to be funny. It's not really that funny. Um, there's also this notion that the phone... even. It, it, not only the women that are involved with the gang members, but uh, everybody decides to uh, support their uh, their blue balls <laughs> movement. Uh, the fo- even phone sex operators and uh, people in the porn industry uh, are also following suit by not you know uh, delivering that kind of entertainment for them. That that's really a far fetched uh, story contrivance. Uh, you know, given the preponderance of pornographic material that's easily accessible on the internet right now. Uh, there's enough material out there to last anybody who par- partakes of them several lifetimes. Uh, even if no material, mat- new material were ever to be made again, uh, you would never have need for any more, I think. Uh, there are also some messy illogical indulgences that don't always pay off in the movie. But, you know, yes, it is a messy movie in certain respects. Yes, it is overindulgent. Yes, it is all of these things. But, Given how on target much of the rest of Spike Lee's potent diatribe is, I say it's easy to overlook these contrivances for the sake of the overall indictment of the gun culture that is propagating, in Lee's words, into a self-inflicted genocide. Blacks killing blacks uh, for uh, reasons that make no logical sense in the community and it just ends up destroying families, destroying the community and destroying the fabric of the culture at large. Chirac as a movie represents Spike Lee's most inspired and socially aware work in many years and should remind many viewers that this is a true talent there in the filmmaking industry. Spike Lee seems to work best when he is unharnessed of trying to make a conventional movie when he actually is making a passion project. Uh, Chirac comes across as this virtuoso blend of, uh, on one hand, high art, like a Renaissance painting, and then low art, like vulgar street graffiti. It, and mixes them up and, and into this, in this, this really potent, powerful satire at its core. But one done with surprisingly honest moments of drama and heartbreak within it. Uh, many moments ring so true. Although, you know, I would say it would be wonderful to live in a world that didn't infuse Spike Lee with such venom-laced anger. To live in this very peaceful world where uh, Spike Lee wasn't agitated to, to have to put out a film like Chirac. Given that we probably will live in a world that's going to make Spike Lee angry for as long as at least he's alive. I personally, as a viewer, am glad that he does have the medium of film that he's willing to use to express his outrage in order for that Greek chorus of us as viewers to grow along with him with a shout of Amen. I think that this is Spike Lee's best work in many years, and I would rank it not really up there. I mean, he he did create a near masterpiece 
with Do the Right Thing back in 1989, but he's created a lot of good films over the years. And I think that Chirac definitely should go down as one of his best works. Definitely his most inspired work since Do the Right Thing. Uh, there are a lot of parallels you can draw to that movie too, but, uh, uh, this is definitely, if you, if you haven't seen a Spike Lee film in a while, this is one that might bring you back into his camp because, uh, he really does make an interesting movie here. It doesn't always work like, like I mentioned, but wow, when it does, it, it, it hits with a wallop. I mean, he, he hits a few home runs. He's, <laughs> he takes it out of the park on this one. Chirac is the name of the movie. Look for it, uh, in your town. Maybe if you're in a, in a big city, it might be there. Um, however, uh, you can watch it right now if you want to spend 10 bucks or so. Uh, and if you happen to be an Amazon Prime member and are willing to wait till February, you can also watch it for free then as well. Chirac, C-H-I-R-A-Q is how you spell it. Thanks everyone for listening. I hope that you enjoyed the, sh- the show. And if you do, I encourage you, as I did at the beginning of the show, to leave a review on iTunes. Also click the subscribe button to get more of my reviews in the future. And I'd like to thank you everyone for listening. Until next time, enjoy your time at the movies, whether you watch Chirac at the theater, at home, or streaming on one of your uh, mobile devices uh, sometime later, uh, it definitely is one to check out and think about. And I'd like to know what you think. Write to me. Go to quipster.net and find out where to uh, where to get my contact information, whether it's on Facebook, on Twitter, or just an email. I look forward to hearing from you soon. 